Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Fat Lot of Good Podcast. It's me, your host, Helen Thorne. I'm a comedian, a writer, a massive show-off, a lover of white wine, and I love laughing at my own jokes. I'm hilarious. Um, Today, we have the amazing, fabulous Daisy Buchanan. Welcome, Daisy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Now, um, I adore Daisy. We met, I think, was it in the lounge at Woman's Hour? How swag is that in the green room? La Posh, yes. Anyway, I met and fell in love with Daisy and I'd obviously been following you uh, and all your wonderful writing but what I thought we could do is could you introduce yourself and tell everybody how bloody fabulous you are oh what an intro to look up to <laughs> the pre-intro. pressure listener um, I'm Daisy Buchanan I am a writer a podcaster um, an author of books and a journaler of journalism <laughs> you are your, you did you your first book was that a novel is that right um well how to be a grown-up was a sort of mix of memoir and self-help um and it was really about I wanted to write a book because I spent most of my 20s thinking oh my goodness uh, can I swear yes all the swears oh, right. all the swears I all the holes yes. my 20s thinking fuck and just like everything is a disaster everywhere I look disaster no money professionally frustrated love life is just a big I was going to say a bin fire more of a skip fire you know and there's, there's nothing good I live in this ter- every time I move house like the house is worse what is going on and then sounds like you did your 20s properly Daisy that's right well it got a little bit better oh. and I had this like oh like is is this a fluke is this me growing up is this progress is this something I can trust or will it be back to the skip fire quite soon and how to be a grown-up was it's a letter of love to anyone who has ever woken up in the night and been tempted to do, to google help there's also <laughs> a bit of a love letter to my sisters i'm the eldest of six girls we're all very close in age and very very close so we so i'm um 33 and um the youngest maddie and dotty are twins and this is very embarrassing because i'm like how old are they i think we're 25 younger than me, younger than me. <laughs> mid-20s when was 1993 it's it's because the year has changed not because i don't know when you know how old they are but i think they'll be 26 this year so we're all you know we're all kind of millennials to mm-hmm. use the dread expression they, they probably do know what they're doing they don't need me to say well here's what we should do but I did I wanted something in a space to be really really honest because quite often I'm like oh no of course I know what I'm doing and this is what it is and you do lots of pretending and then I think because of that I 
was thinking about my sisters as I wrote that and I thought about them so much I wrote another book that really is about them you did I've got it in my hand right now listener it's called The Sisterhood A Love Letter to the Women Who Have Shaped Me Now, this is a body positive podcast, and I still find that really hard to say. I keep fucking it up, don't I, producer Maddie? Uh, But I would uh, like to start the podcast officially by asking you about your relationship with your body. How do you see your body? How do you feel about it? I love that question because it's not straightforward, and it's I wish it was just all love all the way. Um, Right now, at this point in time, um, I've actually, I've been... um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I have been losing some weight because I really was not feeling the love this summer. And I saw a terrible photograph of myself and I thought, oh God. And then I saw a few more and I'm like, I don't think it's the photographer or the angle or the, I, I, I think this is me. And so I have been, you know, making, making efforts. Um, and I feel a bit... Uh, I suppose tormented is a very dramatic word for it, but in these times, I think we are said like you must love your body no matter what. But it Mm. is a very tricky and very empty instruction, and no one really ever says how. I'm sure they will be saying that on this podcast, and I'm sure I'm sure you know how. Um, And your Instagram is full of lots of um, body love and just great style. I love it. But that's I think my two two big gloves or two of my really big gloves are. clothes and food and it's a constant wonderful things it's a negotiation between the two always so right now I do feel really really good I've been um doing a bit of yoga with Adrienne who (gasps) I adore can we just Um, have a loving about Adrienne like hey y'all I just I love her and her dog and everything it's her Mr Burns jokes that do it for me I'm a Simpsons addict same here yes Go to YouTube, Google yoga with Adrienne. You'll get her and then you'll fall in love too. I just, I love the hippie stuff. I love, you know, breathing in with love. And I think, because I've been to classes before. I've done um, Bikram, which is uh, run by a... Is that the hot one? Yeah. Oof, no, not for me. 90 minutes. I think because I was brought up Catholic, so anything that feels a bit like a punishment, like, oh, I know this one. I'm going to go to heaven if I go to Bikram yoga. (laughs) So, and lots of that actually, I think is connected with my complicated relationship with my body as a sighted of you know potential pleasure and sin and you Ugh. offer it up to to god and i think there's lots of kind of sublimating all your desires with biscuits mm-hmm. but i think what's really nice about yoga is you feel so much mm. and i think when i do don't love my body and that's the other thing as well it changes from week to week and month to month and i do it's when i can really really feel it um I even, I can't believe I'm saying this. I love the gym. I never thought I would. I never, ever thought I could run, um, ever. I didn't run until I was in my 30s, like at all. You know, I could run for sort of five or 10 seconds at a time and have this burst and then (laughs) that was it. But now um, me and some friends were doing a bit of a, um, you know, our joy lists. um, And one of mine is if I've been on the gym and I've run up the treadmill and I've done some squats and a bit of, you know, Sort of sit uppy stuff, and I just lie on the mat and I feel like I'm high. It's like being on drugs. Like this is what it's all about. I know you do feel like, and I've said this before on this podcast. You feel like shouting from the rooftops. This feels amazing. Everyone needs to feel this. You feel like that kind of weird dizzying. Yeah, we're dizzying high that you get from nothing else. I love 
being sweaty. I really, I mean, well, because I've got, um, <laughs> I've got. I love a 35 degree day and a polyester <laughs> shirt. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Making myself sweat is fabulous. Not so much because sometimes this might come up later, but yeah. um, I do have a bit of sort of anxiety related to IBS. And I've mm. done that thing where you're kind of, you know, the sweat is absolutely pouring off you and you shit yourself. That. I'm less I mean, fond that's of, quite extreme. Yeah. Controlled sweat that you're in charge of. Mm. That's my number one. Now, we, we were talking about it today, but let's sort of go back in time a bit. And you do talk about it in your wonderful book, The Sisterhood, about your relationship with your body as a teen or growing up. And especially amongst, let's say, fuckloads of women, a lot of a lot of estrogen. What was it like back then for you? So I was the eldest and I hit puberty first and quite hard. (laughs) I was, you know, an adult with a child's head for a while and it freaked me out. And I really felt very different from my sisters. They just seemed so carefree in their bodies and in a really nice way, they seemed not to notice. And my mum, being, you know, a good Catholic woman, I adore my mum very much, but she was quite anxious about how... You know, she had to look after an 11-year-old with tits. You know, proper, like, <laughs> what do we do with these? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, fairly tall. Probably about as tall as I am now, which is 5'7", mm. which is, you know, pretty that's, average, that's I think. Tall, but tall for, a, tall for a, a little one, yeah. Kid with tits. Um, <laughs> I was a freak. Um, but no, I, I did feel like a freak. I know that's, you know, not a, a good word to... Mm to use but they seem to be kind of allowed to do stuff and I was treated a bit differently and I think it because I was the eldest and I was bossy I was told I was bossy and I also was excellent, <laughs> excellent leadership skills we like to say she has excellent leadership skills I've, um, I've, I've, yes reframe it now <laughs> Um, and I remember in particular, um, I think it's in the book about going on holiday to France. And I think I would have been 12. And so, you know, we're all very, very close in age. So I was 12. Beth, who's next, was 11 and looked like an 11-year-old. You know, she's really sweet. She had this lovely kind of brunette bob, um, very sort of like cheeky face. She just looked like a kid. Then Grace is next and she would be um, eight, I think, nine or eight. And then... After her was Livy, who was uh, five or six, and then the twins, Maddie and Dottie, who were babies. So like it, but I don't know if it looked like it was you know big family, mum and dad, and I was the au pair or something. Yeah, or, yeah. But we all went out. We're in this really dark, dreary dining room. It's quite hard um, to find anywhere to go with your vast family unbooked <laughs> of a lunchtime in northern France um and I remember and we'd all always have omelets because we were such fussy eaters <laughs> then some of us still are and yeah afterwards so we sort of had our omelets and we all you know got out and like trailed um out with mum and dad in front and I sort of waited for my sister to go and being you know bossy and responsible and wanted to make sure everybody was there I waited for them all and then sort of you know brought up the rear yeah and my was brought up our waiter pinched my ass <gasps> and I remember just having this weird like and really really feeling like mm. it absolutely was my fault like I must have accidentally said something or done something and you know not being able to and then being aware I couldn't say anything to mum or dad because I'm like well they're and I mean obviously they'd be furious with the waiter but at that age, you know, I think just being, you know, before as a teenager and being sort of aware enough that it was a bit sexual and a bit weird yeah. and not wanting to kind of, not knowing how to broach that. And I think I told Beth and we're like, well, 
what should we do? We'll not tell mum and dad is what we'll do. We'll take <laughs> this to our graves. Yes. That is the sort of experience that made me feel really apart and that it was like, it was my body that was to blame. I couldn't be a kid. Mm. I couldn't be carefree because my body was inviting these responses. And also I was bullied um, really quite extremely between the ages of um, five and 10. And fat was my bully's favourite word. And it was sort of... It was physical. Um, it's also in the. I was sort of abused by a, a neighbour, and all of these things seemed to be happening to me and not my sisters. And all of these things seemed to be happening because my body was bigger than everyone else's body. Oh, that's, I'm so sorry. That's. I mean, it just. It, and how do you feel about that word now? Like fat is just such a. I think it's being reclaimed, mm. but it was like it. It felt like the the worst thing that anybody could I ever know. say to you. And like you're I, like, oh yes, I'll, I'll gladly be called a dumb blonde, but call me yeah. fat and you will make me cry. Well, I see amazing people on social media reclaiming it, and you know they're gorgeous and it's really positive, and I love their work. But God, if you had to call me fat now, I'd be like, the podcast is over. <laughs> into tears and mm. run away it's so so loaded for me still and I think I'm very much in denial as a teenager um I was anorexic um and then and even now I know I've still got food issues that come from having different bodies always always feeling as though my body is being observed and kind of consumed by other people and mm. I remember when I was anorexic, um, you know, like teenagers and people like take me aside and be like, I'm really worried about you, your teeth thin. I fucking loved it. Yeah, exactly. You, you'd won the prize mm. and you'd got A, thin and B, attention as well. Exactly. Like, and that love, because that's the other thing as well. It's so weird. It's so bizarre, isn't it? But, you know, if you're too thin, you're like fragile and you're delicate and you're breakable. And I think for me as well, being the eldest... I was all, it was always assumed that I was kind of quite tough and quite robust and I felt like a weeble, you know, you push it down, it pings back up. Yeah. And I really wanted to shed that. I wanted to feel sort of loved and delicate, not like I was this sort of, you know, boisterous, chunky, robust person. When I was feeling as though I was, I was a preteen, and I'm sure lots of people have this, that you have that we don't just go from child to teenager. There's a yeah. period where you do not feel like a child and you're desperate to be a teenager and no one understands you and it's kind of more intense than puberty. And I think mm. I've really had that between, say, 10 and 13. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then I remember really wanting to reinvent myself, being really unhappy because I had been so bullied and really wanting to kind of to do what I can to take charge of my life. And obviously... When you're a kid, you have no control, very little control. And I think to some extent that goes extra hard when you're part of a big family. And it's very much like one size fits all. You really have to do the same thing as the because there are so many of you and your poor parents are exhausted. <laughs> yes, they are. Have... They are. I'm exhausted with two. Well done to your parents for having six. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, it was me feeling like I had no control and really wanting to take control. And I think it's... But well, not... Looking back, I don't know if this is me reading too much into it, but I think I like having secrets because I felt as though I hadn't had any of my own. Yeah. You know, I've had some really awful, shady, scary secrets like the the abuse and the bullying. I really, you know, for various reasons, wasn't really listened to at school or anywhere. And I was really scared of making a fuss. So I covered a lot of that up. But this was my secret with me and only me. And there was lots of, you know, throwing away lunch, um, in my teens, I had braces, and so 
just the whole time I'd say, oh, I can't eat anything because my teeth hurt too much. And oh, I wow. had yeah. a real, and I think, again, perhaps it was that Catholic thing of, you know, everything's a punishment, everything's hard. It's a really good way of kind of torturing myself, I mm. think. And then I did quite a lot of binging um, as well. And you'd sort of, you know, or I would not eat or eat as little as possible. And then, you know, on the seventh day, I remember the twins having a birthday party and I'd not eaten properly for anything that wasn't watery porridge for 10 days and then losing my mind and having just a whole plate of sausage rolls and then you know throwing everything up and just feeling really oh there was some bleak day Christmases got really bad yeah I was going to say because you're you're part of a essentially you had a community that was your family there was eight of you you know there so trying to kind of hide that and you know you'd have to be it's a very clever and you're always thinking about mm. it how am I going to not eat and how am I going to cover up the fact that I'm not eating as well and presumably people notice you getting smaller and smaller within your family circle what sort of how did you stop how did it how did it sort of end yeah well oh I hate to say this but I um um I I, I fell in love at 15. I had had my first crush. I met a boy. Oh, it's all gone of, very Hollywood, uh, Lister. I know. I never ever... <laughs> she was safe, I, I love. I never want to say that, you know, men are the answer or love is the answer, especially because, you know, this was um, just sort of a teenage relationship. But I think that it just did make me a bit more confident. I felt that for the very, very first time, somebody liked me and they were liking me voluntarily. Um, I think that in families, you know, you do feel loved but there is a sense that a lot of that love, like because I remember you know with my mum saying well you know you, you have to love your sisters you know you've got an option and you know they have it to love you and I'm like law. and no one else no one at school likes me so the only people who seem to want to spend time with me are being forced to by law so it that was a really really big um confidence beast ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
one of the, the the bits in the book that I really enjoyed you talking about was when you got your own room because your relationships are so intense. You li- all live in this, you describe it so beautifully, sort of big rambly house, but and you said that your mother said the biggest impact on your you was not puberty, which you did quite spectacularly. <laughs> um, but was when you came was it you came back from school journey or school camp and you had yeah. your had your own room. And why why do you think that's oh. so important? And when you said that, like your own room, and I just remember that moment. <laughs> I know she went all tingling. And then actually, um, <laughs> it was getting back home to the bedroom I was sharing with Beth. But who has taken my things? Someone's moved my stuff. And being very sort of proprietorial. And mm. Mum's like, no, it's a lovely lovely treat for you. <laughs> We're being nice to you, Daisy. Come on. <laughs> Spoiled brat. Get in there and don't come out. <laughs> I think for women, especially when we're always expected to share our space and share everything, having that was huge. And I love books about sisters and I love books um, in big rambly houses. My friend Lauren Bravo puts it beautifully that our favourite genre of literature is like it's poor but posh. And I think. <laughs> I want to hear more about this. We'll have to talk about it later. Well, you know, I felt because I was reading all these books about these people, you know, like in in Little Women, yeah. and you know, to an extent in Pride and Prejudice, there was a sense of real, you know, they had space, but also that you Nothing. know things were a bit constrained. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I was like, that's oh, me, Mr. Bennett. That's how we're living. My yes. parents are constantly terrified because things are know, falling off, and everything is like you know, the roof is sort of it. It costs tens of thousands of pounds at a time. You can't see it, and yeah. also raising that many children is expensive yeah. um, and so you know I was, it was like in a little kind and I think you know because my parents are both big readers and romantics and very much their tongue in very the cheek. much they, into sex by the sound of it as well <laughs> they did it at least five times oh, do you Ew. know that was one of the things that the police would say at school <laughs> What would they say? Oh, your parents have had sex. Actually. Well, because because they're like, your parents have had sex six times, but only five times because the twins were the same. Do your fucking research. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, we we were going back to a room of one's own. It's such a lovely point in the book where you sort of like, you you become you getting, getting your own space. Oh, that was it. And again, I think I was really into like old design shows I think when I was sort of pre-teen that was the golden age for like changing rooms and you yes. have them very Lawrence, Lawrence and Willow Bowen, Bowen. yeah <laughs> like oh I wonder if I could do some rag rolling <laughs> <laughs> oh let me sponge my chest of drawers <laughs> um one birthday when I'd had my own room I asked my mum and dad for a chandelier I found one in the Argos catalogue and they oh my god they didn't even say yes or no they just <laughs> laughed for about half an hour <laughs> Oh my god! Did you love Laura Ashley? Was that like your homeland? Well, as it's well? funny because my mum did. My mum really did, and my mum mm. would have liked me to get all of my clothes from Laura Ashley and the old kind of seventies prairie thing. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, basically wear like skirts that showed my bum hole. And, <laughs> and so Laura Ashley was for me the two words that sort of symbolised everything that my mum stood for that I was against. It. Yeah, I think, I think, um, sorry, I know I've lost my train of thought. I'm, d- I'm just being whimsically back into my, uh, into my youth. I did a lot of pimple squeezing, I think, in my, uh, <laughs> in my own room, things like that. You could be a bit dirty. Oh, you could do. Satisfying. That's it, because my other, you know, theories, I think girls are disgusting. Nobody mm. ever really quite 
tells us how disgusting we have the potential to be. And yeah. that's one of the things I really have always adored about my relationship with my sisters. And it's not gone away. Is we have never stopped talking about poo. We have never Excellent. ever stopped. Excellent. Like, I'm having my period. Something really weird came out. <laughs> Now, I want to ask you, Daisy, what makes you feel sexy? Perfume. Ooh, I like. Specifically, oh God, I real. I have a real problem with perfume. Um, I probably spent, I, that's, this is why I own no property. Um, <laughs> there's um, a uh, Chanel one called Coromandel that I love. That's real wintry, so sexy. Like, I just, I love a floral. Um, there's one that I bought from this amazing shop in Brooklyn called Twisted Lily, which is this fabulous sort of perfume emporia, and it's called um, Narcotic V for Venus. And I bought it for that reason. It's tuberose and lilies and gardenias. Um, oh, lovely! You're a lovely bouquet of flowers. Mm. And re- that really kind of heady, you know, where it's a bit funereal. I know that lots of people are like, no, I'm too cool for flowers. But no, that really sort of a summer day scent of where it is. Sweet. It's just, yeah. It's sweet and it's a bit too much. It's quite a sort of, it's like what you want drugs to smell like. Like, I will follow you. Yes, yes. Perfume. That's a bit sort of like Alice in Wonderlandy sort of thing. Mm. Uh, now, and what's... Th- What's the most, what's your most favourite thing to put in your body? Is it drink? Is it cheese? I mean, you can say sex. You can, what do you like to put in your body that makes you feel good? Ah, damn, this is supposed to be quick fire, isn't it? Okay, I am going to say, I'm going to say champagne. Excellent, excellent. She likes a bit of fizzy. Uh, Now, what's your most embarrassing body moment? I'm going to say it's when I shat myself at um, St Pancras passport control trying to get in the Eurostar. (gasps) That is quite a story. Can you can you fill us in a little bit more? Can you fill us in? You filled yourself I in. I think I had a sort of noro. I'd been out for a birthday lunch a couple of days ago and it'd been posh and we'd had oysters. And Ooh. the I'd not been with my husband for very long. This was our year anniversary. Because it's very close to my birthday, he was taking me on a magical mystery tour. And the night before the magical mystery tour, I woke up and I started vomiting. And worse, sort of every hour on the hour... And it was to do another Simpsons reference. It was a lot like Homer and his sandwich and not going to Duff Garden. I, like, <laughs> I will go on there. And I, the, any, if I was doing anything else in the world that day, I would have cancelled it. And I think Dale was of the opinion that we should cancel it. And I'm like, no, we will I go. want to go to Paris. <laughs> It'll be so fine. I'd stopped throwing up and I thought it was going to be okay. I remember oh, it took, I had to sort of put one leg in my jeans, wait 20 minutes and do the other leg. Any motion was troubling. But you were not well, my love. I was not well, but I thought I'd beaten it. <laughs> thought I'd beaten it and then you know you stand in line you've got your little passport and I'm always quite nervous because I always think it's going to go a bit like Kafka and I'm yeah. going to be thrown in jail by accidentally going forward too quickly every time every time um, they're going to go- find you out you yes I do have a drugs past <laughs> I, I was a mule that's right um, I don't know who packed my bags <laughs> <laughs> I think it was that suspicious man um, but yeah I just sort of they nodded and I stepped forward and I farted, and it was a fart with extras. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! And I remember thinking, do I do I tell Dale because it, it's a year? You know, do you? It's still pretty you, early on, will isn't you it? Ever want to have sex with me again? If he knows I shat myself. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and I, I I took I took the risk, and I'm glad I did. And also, the best thing was I did have <laughs> three knickers with me, so mm. I shopped through and then went and sorted it out. But the first thing I did when I got on the train was tell my sisters because I thought they'd find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they are the first people I want to tell. 
when I poo myself. <laughs> You've got to have those there's, people. There's no greater love. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, what is the best and worst thing that people have said about you and your body? I remember being at a rave. That sounds really unconvincing because it is. I, I was at a rave, yes. <laughs> at a dance party. With the fellow rave kids. <laughs> it was a... An event in Birmingham called Rob Beats Not Bombs. And we were woke students, so we all went. So in touch. And I just remember dancing away. And I've got a real, I have a real thing for that. It's Rimmel, I think it's called Sun Shimmer. And you just put it on. And it's a bit glittery. And it's very, it's a teenage product that I loved well into my 20s and into my 30s. Um, And I had this dress I loved. And I don't know where it came from or what I did with it. But it was really, really short, pale yellow, almost like a... A cocktail dress. It was sort of quite tight, but it had this little like row of daisies um, along the front. And I was just dancing away with my pals and living my best life. And a man just tapped me on the shoulder and said, you are the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen. And then he walked away again. And he was probably on MDMA, but... <laughs> he was still nice. <laughs> that is lovely. But I just... Thank you, high person. I treasured that forever. Oh, that's lovely. I felt good in that moment. Oh. Fat facts. Um, I have got a segment I like to call Fat Facts, and in which I share a funny uh, body fact. Now, I I found this one, and I thought you would like this. Did you know, in your whole lifetime, you consume about four pounds of lipstick? Oh, so we will eat. Can you can even like fathom what that looks like? That's really weird. That's like eating spiders, isn't it? it? <laughs> yes, I know. Because that's and because I was thinking about you. You're you're quite a lover of fabulous lippy, and I was like, oh, well, I'll find an interesting I fact. A bit. And I'm like, am, am I am I having other people's lipstick? Like my mum doesn't wear lipstick. Does that mean I'm getting like eight pounds? <laughs> I don't know, Ooh. but that's something you inherit. But yeah, because you always eat a little bit each time. Mm. And so in your lifetime, you're going to eat four pounds of lipstick. Blah. It's a true fact because I got it from the internet, Daisy. <laughs> so you can use that at dinner parties from now on. I will. <laughs> Doctor Internet Science PhD. <laughs> Hall of Fat Fame. Uh, now, another question I'd like to ask you is who would you put in the Hall of Fat Fame? Who would you, who, who is, who's been a champion for you or who inspires you? I am a huge, huge fan of the comedian and writer Sophie Hagen. I think she does so much really, really gorgeous body positive work. Um, she talks about it with real frankness and she's got this amazing understanding of kind of humanity and what I really love about her is she's very open about the way I think she has been judged in her body, but what she does is sort of invert that almost. So she takes that and turns that into compassion and I think just sees everybody for who they are. I think she is truly gorgeous inside and out and also like hugs with Sophie are the greatest because her skin is like satin. It is insane. I don't know what is going on there. I want to hug her now. And finally, what is your fatspiration? What is your mantra? Or what do you like? Some words that you like to live by? Um, I'm not very good at this one, but um, well, I suppose I have a couple of one is easier than the other. Um, my favourite is ABC, always be cheerleading, because yes. I think that it's so important for women to lift up other women. I know that 
pretty much everything I have, everything good that's happened to me is because, you know, some guys too, but for the most part, women being kind, being generous, being awesome. Again, it's that people seeing you. And I just, I want to make as many people feel seen and raised up as possible and look for people to celebrate and look for the good. The other one that I'm less good at is wear it lightly. You know, everything is temporary. I can really let bad moods consume me. I care so much about everything. I get really, really caught up in things. And I'm always kind of defining my value by I think a very narrow metric of success or, you know, a very narrow definition. And so I try, when things are getting a bit much, I tell myself, look, this is, I have a bit of distance from, you know, this is not you, this is the thing that's happening to you. And there'll be more good things, more bad things in the future. So it's hard, but yeah, wear it lightly, always be cheerleading. I love it. What a wonderful way to end the podcast. Thank you very, very much, Daisy Buchanan. You and your wonderful books have been an absolute joy to have on the show. Now, do a big plug. Blow some smoke up your own arse. <laughs> the Sisterhood is published by Headline on March the 7th. Um, I'd really, really love for you to buy it, read it, give it to women you love, um, find out what they think, because it's... um you know it's it's just about love it was written with love to put more love into the world i have a podcast called you're booked um every episode i inspect the shelves of a writer i love or someone i love and we talk about their life kind of through books with an emphasis on you know perhaps guilty pleasures i'm catholic all my pleasures are guilty but <coughs> this idea of who we say we are as readers and who we actually are and we've had some really lovely guests um just had sophie kinsella um sarah knight coming up um dolly alderton um nina stibby um i am at not royal girl on twitter i'm the daisy b with a double e on mm -hmm. instagram please follow me on instagram i'm not very good at it i'm very thirsty she's more lovely followers. she's lovely on instagram and you show your lovely clothes and all sorts of lovely things and just wonderful words of inspiration so uh, do follow her bio we'll does say it's books and luke's <laughs> books and luke's lovely um well yes thank you very much you're bloody marvelous thank you Daisy. so much for having me i've had such a nice time Excellent. All right. You have been listening to the Fat Lot of Good podcast produced by the wonderful Maddie Hickish. The music you've been listening to today is by John Thorne and I've been Helen Thorne. Please rate, review and subscribe. Anyway, that's enough from me. Goodbye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.